Footy and Frothies, Daggy, Barney and Ollie with you for the third, well, third show we're putting together tonight, but the uh, second of our, I guess, spring sessions where we uh, ponder the things that may be and maybe were in the rugby league world. Gentlemen, uh, today, tonight we're going to look at teams five, six, seven and eight and how they fared, where they can potentially improve a little bit and, uh, and what we made of their season. Uh, should we get straight into it? Yes, let's do that. All righty, let's kick off with the Gold Coast Titans, who finished eighth. And I'll give the floor to uh, the number one ticket holder on this show, Ollie. Probably the only ticket holder in all of New South Wales for the Titans. Um, the other one we knew sold his ticket. Before <laughs> the Panthers jersey was it the jerk. I um, I know a lot of people are going to say it was a bit of a disappointing season for the Titans, but honestly, we made the eight for the first time in five years. I, I can't say it was a failure of a season. I can't say that it was a terrible year. I'm gassed that they made the finals and honestly putting that effort they did against the Roosters. But there there is plenty of room to improve. Um, There there are clear things they need to improve on if they want to make the finals again in 2022 because I believe next year that fight for the finals is going to be a lot harder and a lot more congested than in 2021. Did the Titans meet my expectations? Yes. I, I had them seventh. Uh, put it this way, I wasn't expecting them to wait until the literal last day of the season to uh, cement their spot in the finals. Um, I, I probably was expecting them to maybe do it at least a week earlier. Um, pro- probably, I'd say I was probably more expecting them to be in that Knights position, have more of a similar season to what Newcastle had. Uh, the big positives for me, there were a couple of players, uh, obviously Mo. I want to say Tino as well in terms of the new signings. I think he was definitely the best. And Corey Thompson as well. Um, He's, what, pushing 30 now, and I'd say it was arguably his best year when he was on the field. He spent some time off injured. Um, It's hard to say David Fafita as the biggest disappointment just because he literally won us a couple of games. But in terms of what we're paying him, in terms of what he's expected to do, uh, he definitely needs to improve on that next season and get more involved in the side. So for me, he's going to be the big disappointment next season. Um, I probably see them improving a, a bit in the halves just with the shakeup with Sexton coming in and the running game of AJ Brimson. I think on paper, that looks really good. And I forgot to bring up your, your Greg Marjus and your Jaden Campbell. So I think are, are both now going to be first graders next season. Um, and I think that's going to give the Titans a bit of a boost as well. Um, In terms of cons, there's nothing really that they're going to be worse at necessarily, I think. I think it's more trying to build on this and improve on this season. Um, But it's, again, just going to be the question mark over Fafita, whether we can get a more sustained effort out of him. Uh, And final word on the Don. Do you want to uh, pay any last respects? Well, if not for COVID, I'd be up there and I'd be getting the brick and mortar and Starting on his um his statue, I shouldn't be making it out of bricks, should I? No, something whatever you make <laughs> statues out of these days. I think I think the the cowboys bricks get the players in trouble these days. So. <laughs> Generally bronze. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, have you seen any of the cowboy statues they got outside of their new stadium and the one they just built of Matt Scott? They're all made out of some recycled plastic or sand. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> as um as, um as kind to the environment as it is, it. Uh, absolutely looks like shit. So 
Anyway, um, that's the um, the statue portion of the podcast out of the way. What do you fellas think of the Titans? Uh, oh, they Come ended up. up on 22 points, uh, 10 wins, 14 losses, 580 points oh, for, yeah, sorry, 583 sorry, points against. <laughs> 24 points on average for and 24 points on average against. Slightly, if you want to break it down to points of whatever, it was slightly worse for their against than their fours. Um yeah, as Ollie said, it, I, I tipped them to run eight. They ran eight, so I can't really say that they didn't meet my expectations, but I thought it would have been a bit more of a solid eight. I thought they would have won half their games and lost half their games. They probably lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have and should have um, you know, finished that little bit stronger in eighth position. But it's a pass mark. Obviously, anyone who makes it, obviously that's what everyone's aiming for, at least to make the top eight, so... It's a it's a pass mark with seventy seven percent completion. Um, Fogarty was the top point scorer in twenty one games, scored one hundred and fifty six points. Fafita scored seventeen tries. Mitch Rain six hundred ninety nine tackles with an average of thirty five tackles a game. Greg Marzu, believe it or not, had the most average running meters of one hundred and eighty five running meters a game in in the eight games that he played. Um, Fafita with twenty two line breaks. Kelly with eleven line break assists. Fogarty with 13 try assists and um, Fafita had 44 tackle busts and oh, sorry, what have I, 44 offloads and 155 tackle busts. Brian Kelly for me was the disappointment of the year. I expected him to uh, improve on his season last year, which was really good in attack, but he had 27 errors, 64 missed tackles. Wallace gave away 12 penalties. Um, Titans pretty much, as I said, finished where I thought they would finish. I thought they would be slightly stronger. At times during the year, they looked like their outside backs could not defend to save their lives. But um, there's some, there's definitely some uh, positives there with Jaden Campbell. Greg Marzu, I'm surprised. I don't understand why he missed games at the back end of the year. He should have been one of their first pick. But I don't know if that's a thing. He's offside with the coach or he, he did have a niggling injury or something, but I expect him to line up on the wing. Uh, for them at the start of next year. And uh, Jaden Campbell will, at fullback could be anything uh, th- three or four years down the track. So there's some there are some exciting signs, but they will need to improve to maintain their position next year. It's amazing. I'm just looking back through the results now. Some of the scores they conceded, it's amazing for them to finish on minus three uh Absolutely. For and against, but <laughs> obviously that means that they racked up some scores too. And just looking through, they when they turned up, they really put the, the hammer through some teams. Uh, but it went both ways, I guess, is the story of their season. Uh, I, I didn't understand some of the selection processes throughout the year. Uh, you mentioned Marzu. Uh, we've, we spoke, we've spoken at length about Fodawaka starting on the bench uh, and at the back end of the year for Fida starting on the bench. Uh yeah, the story for me was, um, yeah, their edges, and that is a big part of those big scores all the way through the year. But um, there were times, as you said, they just couldn't tackle and were embarrassing. Uh, Thompson helped shore that up when he came back in, and I thought Marzu shored that up when he's played. So everything you said there, uh, player, their player of the year, well, they voted Tino, but it was Mo. He was absolutely outstanding uh, in the top five props in the comp. And for feeder, look... He's much maligned, but when he turned up and wanted to be there, he can be a one-man wrecking ball. I just don't know where he that then 
balances out to be a consistent second rower. Maybe it doesn't. So that's I think, the tricky sorry balance. To yeah, go for it. All we really know about Fafita is that he's better than Kikau. That's that's yeah, that's uh, fair. Think, yeah, fair commentary. I think that's about all we can say about him after this year. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he didn't win second row of the year. Uh, looking well, <laughs> it, very interested to see where AJ ends up next year. Whether it is absolutely fourteen, whether it is six, whether it is in the centres, whether it is apparently at hooker. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see where where that all shakes out. Uh, Toby Sexton, we didn't really mention, but I uh, loved his organisational stuff when he did play. I think Absolutely. he really will bring something uh, with that bit of experience to the team and give them a little bit of that calmness uh, and direction through the middle, whether that means Fogarty does move to six or whether it now means Fogarty does, uh, despite anti-rumours, end up at Canberra or something. Well, I think, unfortunately, it's going to end up with Fogarty at seven and AJ Brimson at six. I think you might find Sexton at 14 just because of how young he is at the moment. Yeah, because I think um, the C came out a bit of nine and a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of 14. So. Some, one, of, one of the people that should know said he's going to be their first choice seven, which is weird when he didn't play in the semis. So uh, yeah. maybe they don't know. Maybe it's all just... I personally think, and as much as it saddens me, I'm not saying he goes to Canberra, I can't see how Jamal Fogarty will be a Gold Coast Titan in 2022. Fair enough. It, it, you just, he's too good a player to leave out, but you can't really fit him in. I just well, feel I like... The fact that they've, the fact that they've moved on... Um, they moved on Peachy and uh, oh, who's Taylor. the bloke? The, Taylor. the other Taylor, yeah. <laughs> that bloke <laughs> that turns up three times a season means that they have to keep they have to keep him and they're going to have to play one on the bench. But well, the tricky one there is AJ because you can have Sexton. Yes, so you have Sexton and. You have Foggy on the bench. You have AJ on the bench. Or well, to me, bench, Sexton's yeah. just such a. Classic halfback. It, it's sort of madness not to. He fits the mold of a halfback more than anyone in that time. And so does Fogarty. The only thing possibly is Fogarty has played nine in the in the uh, lower grades, so that may mean that Fogarty goes back to fourteen and plays um, the relieving position at nine. But well, I, I think now yeah. that. Uh, Mitch Rain's gone. That does maybe open up that slot. Well, there's a big hole there at nine. That's probably the one place that the Titans do need to to improve. Someone has to play nine, don't they? So maybe maybe one of them will. Would it be nice to secure a certain person of of a Smith persuasion uh, at the start of this year? Um, But honestly, in terms of that whole situation, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's because of the Toby Sexton's form that's thrown this banner into the works. Really, it's Jaden Campbell because if not for Jaden Campbell, AJ Brimson's your fullback. Stays at fullback. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Sexton in the half. So that it, probably blindsided him a little bit. If Fogarty is on the outer at the Titans next year, he knows where to Surely play. someone knew how good he was. You don't just rock up the first grade and pull yeah. that shit out. Yeah. Without that's someone true. knowing that's true. how good you are. True. Um, <laughs> if wants to do that, though, it's a Campbell. Yeah. And look, Bo Firma had a pretty good back end of the year. Jared Wallace had a pretty good front end of the year and a couple of good games along the way afterwards. With the pickups they're getting, does it start pushing a Proctor out? Does it start pushing... Yeah, well, he's getting to the end as it is. And I did mention a few times towards the back end of the year that he probably didn't deserve his spot in the starting side. So Mm. it'd be interesting to see where where they go with that. I was surprised they re-signed Proctor last year for this season because they announced the signings of... Tino and David Fafita. Firma was coming through and I think he's broken out a bit more this year, but still had that promise. Um, 
and Proctor was off contract. And then I think he might've had a blinder and they re-signed him off the back of that. But he had that one game, didn't he? They did get rid of three, two or three back rowers though in Arrow and um, Hopgood and the other bloke that went to Parramatta, Hipgrave, but yeah. How do we usually finish? Do we give a, we don't give a prediction, do we? Just move on. No, so just move on. That's uh, it. Very good. It's been a week since I've done one of these. So, uh, the Newcastle Knights at seven. Wow, my favourite topic: bashing the Knights. Uh, this was one of the outliers in the statistics. To be honest, um, the statistics say they shouldn't have finished as high as they did, but they did. Seventy-seven percent completion. Uh, oh, sorry, seventy-eight percent completion. Points scored. The top point scorer was Clifford with seventy-eight points, and he would have scored fifty of those at the Cowboys. Um, Tawala with thirteen tries. Braley made a million tackles. He made 1,092 with an average of 47 tackles a game in 23 matches. Clemmer with 164 average running metres. Barnett with 337 hit-ups. Tuala with 16 line breaks. Ponga with 13 line break assists, which was interesting considering he didn't play a lot of football. Uh, And 14 try assists. Connor Watson was the highest tackle breaker with 17 tackle breaks. Clifford made the most errors with 27 errors and 67 missed tackles. But the outlier in the stats was that they only averaged 17.8 points a game for, which was the second lowest in the entire competition. And they ended up running seventh. And they conceded 23.8 points a game. So they're actually six points to their detriment every game that they played and still managed to finish seventh. So I don't know how that works. I still don't know how they finished seventh. Was Adam O'Brien's a super coach and he pulled it out of the hat? Well, clearly. um, Yeah, 12 wins, 12 losses, 428 points for and 571 points against. Well, look... There's players in this team, I've, I've said it consistently throughout the year as I just try and pull up their season stats, uh, that, in my opinion, have gone backwards this year. Uh, yep. Potentially, well, definitely... Best. Bradman best. Uh, yep. Potentially some of their back row. Uh, their edges are worse than the Titans' edges at their worst. I know they, they're missing a few and lack some consistency, but like some of their decisions, some of their... Uh, I know Tuala can score a try and, and probably is a first-grade winger, but the rest of them wouldn't get a game at another club. And Pierce uh, and Ponga only played about 14 and, games and, each, I think. But Yeah, and and Ponga struggled to get week-in, week-out consistency. He had a couple of good games fresh. Uh, Pierce was good when he came. Pierce was real good when they came back, but uh, they're shining the lights. Where, he's dragged them through this yeah, year. that's what I was going to do. There's the shining lights for the Saifidi brothers. Uh, even Clemmer fell off a cliff by the end of the year. Uh, yeah, the Saifidis were amazing. Barnett had his, his standout games, but uh, dropped off towards the back end. Braley is just a little workhorse, and you know you'd be proud of him in your team uh, in any any club. Uh, led the tackle count in the whole comp. Uh, has some great leadership stuff. Doesn't necessarily have the creativity of some of the top uh, ho- uh, hookers, which wouldn't be a problem if their halves didn't necessarily have the creativity of some of the rest <laughs> of the comp. Uh, so there, to me, they're big holes. There's no depth at the club. Their their bench is non-existent. 
Uh, and it, it, to me, it's a miracle they made. I'm just trying to see who they actually beat, but it's a miracle they made it uh, by beating teams below them, which is, I guess, at least something. But they, and look, at the end of the day, they could have beaten uh, Easton, been playing in a uh, Parramatta, I should say, and been playing in a prelim final. But uh, they, if they lose Mitchell Pierce, which seems to be in a tea leaves. They're, I think they're in dire straits next year. I think uh, and they've lost Watson already, which and really, he Watson's was one of going. their sparks in attack. Yeah, yeah. That, they never quite got that combination right with Watson, Barnett, and uh, and the like sniffing around there. Uh, so I think they're going to lose more points, and I can't see a defence getting much better, and I, I have real grave concerns that they'll be the one that uh, disappears down the rabbit hole next year, Barn. If they can keep Pierce and Ponga fit and on the field, they've they do have points in them, but um, they didn't this year. And as I said, I'm surprised they got as far as they did. They obviously, um, when they got beaten, they got beaten badly, and when they won, they barely won for the majority of the season, which is what the stats obviously tell you there. Um, as we already mentioned, Connor Watson's going to be a big loss. I thought he was one of their big sparks in attack and did do a lot of good stuff through the middle of the field. Um, in providing offloads and putting guys away and scoring tries himself. Uh, their front row and um, like Frizzell and Barnett were not bad. Um, at, at times they were very good and their forward pack will get them into most games, but it's going to depend on whether they can keep guys. Like, Cause they're another one like the Titans. Their outside backs at times were deplorable in defence and teams just ran through their centres and their wingers and scored tries for fun at, at different times during the year. But um, if they can improve their defence on their outside edges and Pong, keep Ponger and Pierce fit, they may finish around the same position, but I've got the same concerns as you. I think they may slide out of the eight uh, looking towards next year. Uh, just looking here just quickly... Connor Watson was voted their players player. Gladiator of the year was Jaden Braley, which I assume was workhorse or something similar. And their player of the year was Jacob Saifidi. Uh, Oli. And deservedly so. Uh, in terms of Newcastle, um, I had them finishing 10th, so they did not beat my, meet my expectations. <laughs> in terms of the way they played, I think they met my expectations relatively well, but I, uh, they finished 7th and I tipped them to finish 10th, so... Um, they, they did better than what I thought. But um, based off, especially the stats that Barney just read off, and you could say that for the Titans as well, neither side, you wouldn't be guessing that they finished in the top eight but purely based off of the stats. This one's going to be a little bit odd, but in, in terms of both their positives and negatives this year, I'm going to go with their forward pack as a whole because when they won, their forward pack was immense and usually they were the focal point uh, that got them home in the end. But And I'm talking especially sort of the early to mid-season when Newcastle were in that really shit run of form where I think they were just about at the bottom of the ladder, if not just a little bit up. They were definitely bottom four at one point. And most of their forward pack just went entirely missing. Clemmer, Barnett. Daniel Saifidi didn't really hit his stride from last year until the origin period hit. One consistent... Well, sorry, I'd say there were probably two consistent players in that forward pack. One was Jacob Saifidi, and I think that's why he deserves to get the the player of the year there, and Tyson Frizzell. Other than those two, I do not think anyone else in that Newcastle forward pack, as good as it is on their day, can hold their head up and say they consistently played well in every single game. Oh, Braley. 
Sorry, with hookers, I tend to forget that they're forked as well. But Brayley, yeah. Um, well, Brayley would have been in terms of consistency the best, was, yeah. the best spine player. I'm surprised he didn't get their player of the year, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. he was. A, yeah, he, he he was a focal point there as well. Um, and Ponga, when he did play, I, I still thought he was at least good. Yep. Um, he 100%. had a good season, but you've got to be there. Mitchell Pierce did what he had to do, and it's not going to help Newcastle if he leaves next year. Which, speaking of, if you had to pick any team from that top eight, at least for me, that'll definitely miss out next year. I think Newcastle's the one, probably. Um, the Titans will have a fight on their hand, but I feel like Newcastle's probably the easiest one to pick just because of the congestion, as I said that will be there with the teams making the finals next year. And look, I said on our... There are teams, uh, it's pretty simple, there are teams that will improve enough to beat Newcastle that hundred oh, just missed them this year. Yeah. I, I think as well that, um, you know, I said in the last, the, the bottom eight review that the Cowboys have the least going for them out of any team. Yeah. Um, and Newcastle would not be too far behind, only that Newcastle already have a better squad than the Cowboys. You brought it up, their depth is relatively poor. They could be losing Mitchell Pierce. Yes, they have Gagai coming in and that'll improve their edges. But I mean, that can only account for so much. So um, I think Newcastle will probably drop off a bit next year. Yeah, I had them finish in seventh. So I have to say that they, they finished where I expected them to. So. Well, the other, I guess, well, the most debated team probably in NRL, Parramatta Eels finished sixth mm-hmm. after coming shot out of a cannon. Start the year uh, and being impressive all the Absolutely. way through. They hit their, I think it's just a thing where there has to be inner turmoil or fan turmoil at Parramatta, and it, it <laughs> seems to happen about the same time, just about you know late July. Uh, hit their brick wall, it collapsed, and oh, you, you got to say they that uh, Brad Arthur was able to put the wheels back on pretty well to the point where arguably they should have beaten Penrith in that uh, semi final. Uh, which, if they had it done, well, this would be a whole different conversation. But, Barn, what does it all mean? Well, as you mentioned, the last three weeks were probably some of their best football that they played for a good three months, realistically. Um, it's a common thread with Parramatta over the last couple of years. They start extremely well, and then halfway through the season, they seem to hit a lull, and then it's whether they can get back to where they were. And this year they did. Um, they're going to need to do it again to finish any higher than they did this year but they finished with 79% completion um, Moses was their top point scorer with 146 points in 22 games Sivo scored 70, uh, 17 tries, Mahoney was their tackling machine, 17 games 763 tackles with an average of 44.9 tackles a game Gutherson actually averaged more metres than anybody in this team with 170 metres per game Papa Lee with 370 uh, hit-ups. Sivo with 19 line breaks. Gutherson with 22 line break assists, which you would expect. Moses should probably be that guy, but mm. he had the most try assists with 20. Paulo with 46 offloads. Papa Lee with 106 tackle busts. Fergo made the most errors in 28 errors in 18 games. Nathan Brown missed 61 tackles and gave away... Uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, and had 22 handling errors and Nicore gave away 12 penalties during the season. Parramatta finished with 32 points, 15 wins, 9 losses, 566.4 points for and 457 points against. 
I've, I, I tipped them to finish sixth. Um, they probably should have finished fourth realistically, apart from the way that they fell away dramatically just before the finals and didn't look like winning a game up until they beat Melbourne the week before the finals started. And it was an impressive performance. They went back to the way that they play and they're, they're forward dominant. They need to win the middle. They need to absolutely control the middle in the game of football. And that gives Moses and Gutherson time and space on the back of that uh, towards their outside edges. They just need that little bit of X factor. They need that one player that can break a game open on his own. Um, Mitchell does it occasionally, but he's not the guy that can, he's not big enough to run over people. He's not um, talented enough to consistently put his support players away. He does it well enough, but he needs either someone that can do the same job as him on the other side. And Dylan Brown for me was probably the most disappointing player in this Parramatta team for the entire season. Another one as a couple of others that I've mentioned that I expected to kick on and actually have a really good year this year. And he went backwards in my opinion. Um, Papa Lee was there by the year by a mile. Um, he improved out of sight from where he was when he was at uh, the New Zealand Warriors a pass mark, absolutely, for Parramatta. As you mentioned, apart from a couple of bounces of the ball and something that could have gone Parramatta's way, they could have beaten Penrith and been in the top four at the end of the season. But they just I think they just left their run too late. I think they needed to kick into gear two or three weeks earlier than what they did and take that momentum into the finals, and it just didn't happen. So, uh, again, I'm sure all the Parramatta supporters would be upset of where they finished because I if I was a Parramatta supporter, I'd expect them to be finishing in the top four with the squad they had this year. I, yeah, I probably agree. I, I, look, I, I was in that camp where I came around to thinking maybe their squad's overrated and they've overachieved, but I, 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 I think they showed that if they get their heads right, then they are a top four team. Uh, I'd love to know Gutho's, you mentioned Gutho's stats, I'd love to know... Uh, I don't expect have him, but it'd be very interesting to compare the, like his first fifteen rounds output versus the last ten. Oh, absolutely! And I would love to know if that's a him gassing out thing. If that's a, and it, it happens to it's now happened three years in a row that it's it can't be a coincidence. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's him over exerting. I don't know if that's he picks. You know, he gets flogged a bit. I don't know if it's they just change their structure a little bit as the season goes on, but. The, for him to work as hard as he does for as long as he does, I'm sure it can't be easy. But it's well, it's definitely two years in a row, I think three, where the output has just collapsed at the back end of the year. And it's no coincidence that, as a result, their, their uh, performances have matched that a little bit. Uh, I, I did think Moses ascended, or at least found some of his potential this year. Uh, not quite saying he's a, a Nathan Cleary yet, but he was definitely their most... Uh, Impressive player, I thought, at the back end after he came back from injury. Uh, RCG had a fantastic year and a, an Absolutely. amazing last six weeks uh, and probably doesn't get the credit he should in, in that best prop conversation, but he was sensational. Paulo, I think, was disappointing, apart from, I reckon you'd find a handful of from games, but was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the same about Nathan Brown. I think his aura is gone. Uh, and Dylan Brown, and I'm just looking through uh, Curtis Easier to tackle some of their alleged contracts here. If he's on, if Dylan Brown's on 700, RCG, so the, the the problem they've got going forward is that, and and we know the iceberg's coming. They're a very top heavy 
contract uh, salary cap, I should say, and I yeah. can something's got to give there. And the call either needs to be made that they cut Gutho loose. And I'm not saying it's the wrong one either. They either or cut Gutho loose or mm. two of the others. Uh, and I'm sure Dylan Brown's probably high on that list right now. Uh, but that's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, and you throw Reed Marnie in, and we haven't mentioned him because I guess out of sight, out of mind. He was the form hooker of the comp uh, for the Absolutely. first probably six weeks. And then even mm-hmm. for the next 10, he was second to cheese. Uh, from injury going into and, Origin, he would have been very close to taking that Origin oh, spot. He would have played Origin for sure. I think he plays Origin for sure. They don't, I don't think they rushed him. Yes, he was game one. Game one. And they rushed Harry back in. Uh, and I think if he – I'll go as far to say if he plays a back end of the year, they probably beat Penrith in that semi. So they did miss him. Uh, they they just – there's a lot of these plays you look at. Uh, oh, first of all, can we just mention how bad their wing defence is? Um, yes. We haven't mentioned that, but no, we didn't. the inability to find wingers that want to stay on their wing and for it to happen across four or five different <sighs> wingers, it has to be a coach thing or a training thing. But uh, your blokes like your Oricon Kafusis, your Sean Lanes, your uh, Nia Kores, they're, they're fantastic club players and they're players that I'd I'll, I'll individually like to have any one of them at, at, at a club I supported. But when you start getting four or five of them in a team, they don't. Yeah, but, you know, they, they become a little bit workabish and they're not necessarily going to win your games. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm concerned where they're going next year, but I think next year they're still going to be a top six side uh, just through lack of opposition. Uh, Ollie. Yeah, well, I had Parramatta finishing sixth at the start of the year. They finished sixth. I, I think that was actually the most popular prediction heading into the did. Yeah, after you look, yeah. Parramatta sixth. It, it was about that. I, I, know I think was. everyone just felt like they weren't, Basically, everyone just said, well, they're not the big five and they're the next. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this season, I thought, well, just on Mitch Moses, he's definitely one of the highlights. I think one of the big differences for Moses this year is the chemistry that he's had with his board pack. Uh, not to say that he hasn't built a chemistry with his forwards in the past, but this is probably the year where it's been executed the best and it was mutually beneficial with your likes of Pabli'i and Regan Campbell-Gillard, a good little combination with those guys. And they're also up there with my impressive players, I would also have a Tom Opacek up there just because they signed him on relatively uh, on a relatively cheap contract to come in and replace uh, Michael Jennings. And he had a really good first half of the year, but then sort of dropped off. Uh, Marnie has to be up there until he gets injured as well. Um, but in terms of disappointments, Brown's got to be there. I think the wingers as well. And of course, as you brought up their terrible wing defense, um, all, all defense, all wingers are, pretty much crap defenders, but at least they stay on the wing, their wing mm. and they try and make a tackle, whereas consistently Dunster and Ferguson are so far in field, it's not even funny. The, the winger of the opposition literally just has to cruise over and put the ball down, which Dunster, that disappointed me a little as well because I thought he had, when he first came back into the side this year, I thought he was having a good season. Mm. Um, it's I, interesting I, to I, see, yeah. just looking through Parramatta Socials, the Parramatta fans all seem to like him. Uh, like they seem to I, I think a lot it. of him. So it's, it's I, I interesting. Think, interesting. I think Hayes Dunster still probably is a first grade level winger, but he's just got to learn to stay on his wing a bit more. Um, I understand why Parramatta are backing him over Ferguson because he did when he came in last year and when he first came in for the first five or so weeks this year, 
he was playing all right, at least for what we expected from a Hayes Dunst. He was playing all right. But then he started, I don't know, if Fergo got into his ear or something and said, hey, why don't you come 10 metres in field when the ball's coming out to the edge? But, um, yeah, so he, he has to be a disappointment as well. A shout out to, and he, and he didn't have an immense impact throughout the year, but when Parramatta were going through their absolute dog shit period towards the end of the season before they picked back up, uh, Makatola off the bench was probably consistently their only player who put his hand up and had a go, um, making his debut. I think he's 28 or something. So in the similar vein to to an Andrew Davey, who we unfortunately didn't get to see play for Manly this year, his new club. But um, yeah, he, he was putting in every week, even when some of his teammates weren't. Gutho also has to be a disappointment because every year he also does drop off towards the end of the season. But this year, I think it was earlier than usual. And Moses, funnily enough, sort of had to pick up the scraps a little. In terms of next year, I feel like Parramatta will be around the same area. I don't see him missing the eight. They might drop to a seventh. But just looking at how their future's projected, I could see them being maybe a Cronulla for the next few years. I, I'm not saying, saying they win a premiership, but we could see maybe just a, a bit of a streak where Parramatta consistently make the finals, but they're consistently sort of cannon fodder, if you will. Um, and I think that's sort of Parramatta's place, at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my biggest fear next year for them would be in a turmoil. If, if you know, the stuff gets out of the bottle like it did this year and you're throwing contract negotiations on top, it's... It could it could get ugly very quickly. Uh, all right, we get to the Sydney Roosters, probably the most discussed team. Uh, what's the what's the word? Not contract. Uh, squad wise, all year with what they had to put up with. Barney, what the stats say, and uh, and what do you make of it all? Yeah, so they ended up with uh, thirty four points, equal with Manly, but behind on four and against. Sixteen wins, eight losses, six hundred thirty four points. A- Four and 489 points against, which was an average of 26, four and 20 against. Um, I had them finishing third at the end of this season before a ball was kicked. And or I blame the Oracle because he didn't tell me they were going to lose $4 million out of their salary yeah, cap by mate. the end of the season. It was, it so if he told me that, then I would have maybe had him finishing fifth. But it's under the actually, I would have had him finishing ninth, to be honest. But the, the, they absolutely overachieved for the way that they their season panned out and the obstacles that were thrown in front of them. They absolutely overachieved and ended up higher than they should have by a mile, to be honest. Um they had every right to roll over and just get flogged and um, and miss the eight, but it didn't happen. They finished with 75% completion for the season. Kirian was actually their top point scorer for the year with 86 points. Um, considering he only played a handful of games, it's, um, it's a pretty good effort from the young fella on the, in the centres. And he was actually quite, he was quite impressive in some of the games that he played. It'll be interesting because I think Kieran might, actually end up being the replacement for Josh Morris next year now that... I dare say um, he'll end up in the same as... Billy, um, I've forgotten his last name. Billy Smith. Billy Smith. Billy Smith's been yeah. a bit injury prone and Suwali's still got a year or two where you could play him as a, a bit of a sporadic player, mainly in reserve grade, just to Absolutely. jump in The power with 15... Uh, Tupu with 15 tries was the leading try scorer. Bradley made the most tackles with 611 in 16 games with an average of 38 tackles a match. 
Teddy averaged 182 run meters per game. Uh, Jared Warrior Hargraves with 299 hit-ups. Line breaks, again, was uh, Tupu with 18. Line break assists was Teddy with 23. Try assist was Teddy again with 22. Offload was to was Tupu again with 29 offloads. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Teddy had the most tackle busts as well with 145 tackle busts for the year. Uh, Tupu had 35 errors and 28 handling errors. Most missed tackles was actually Statili Tupanua, who started the year really well, but towards the back end, his defense was deplorable at different times, and he missed 89 tackles for the year. And Jared gave away 17 penalties, which is what Jared does. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, he's strong and he bashes blokes and he does a really good job in the middle of the field, but he doesn't mind giving away a penalty, Jared Warrior Hargraves. <laughs> what can you say, man? They they get they got handed every bad decision, every poor option that they could have absolutely been given through the year. And Teddy carried him for a long part of the year. The the majority of their attack was based around Tedesco, um, at times he was found wanting, but he's a fullback and he was just doing his best. He didn't have any support realistically. Young, um, what's what's the young fella's name? Young Walker came in and did different, did some really good stuff at different times, but he's still a, a man in a young kid's body and he got bashed up and got injured and, they, they had so many changes in their halves, in their blokes were getting suspended in the forward pack and all the rest of it, and they did exceedingly well to end up as high on the ladder as they did. Yeah, well, there was a, there was a round uh, not long before the semifinals where they couldn't name 21. Uh, so it was... They, the mat, yeah, massively overperformed. It's such a, such a kudos to Trent Robinson and what he got out of the team. And how he broke it down. He spoke about it uh, somewhere. <laughs> how he ended up just breaking the season down to week by week and just making sure they had a new job every week, those that needed to fill these holes. Uh, you mentioned Teddy. Uh, look, to be honest, he's got to be in a discussion for most underrated player in the comp because he just does not get the team to get the wraps of your turbos and that. But uh, if he's not in his team, they run 10th. Simple as that. Easily. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Victor Radley, when he's allowed in the field... <laughs> started to find quite a bit of form. Yeah, Crichton had a lot of his season curtailed by suspension as well, but he, uh, you know, he, he's the Australian second rower, yeah. uh, and uh, was just that when he was when he was there, uh, an absolute super coach star as well. Never let you down there. Um, beyond that, yeah, heading back to next year, it's a scary thought. Like uh, you throw Lindsay Collins, you throw well, the whole Ford pack back into this team. Uh, a fit Joey Manu mm. and Luke Keary running the show um, and Connor Watson at 14, as mm. well as the Baker brothers and everything else. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're a top four team easily next year. And if they stay fit, they've done enough to earn my respect that I hope they do very, very well, to be honest with you. The one question I do have is Hooker. Um, mm. Verrill's still a young fella. Um, Maybe that's Connor Watson. It's a little bit hit and miss. And yeah, Connor Watson at 14 can obviously provide, hopefully they can swap him in if Ferrells isn't having a good game. But yeah, the the hooker is the is the number one issue I have with the Roosters going forward next year. Oh. 
So the Roosters did meet my expectations as Barney, you said I'm supposed to be the Oracle and say that the Roosters are going to lose 4 million in cap space. Well, I did actually tip the Roosters to finish fifth. So <laughs> I, I will say it was a very different fifth in my mind than the fifth that we saw uh, at the end of the day, the end of the season. Uh, Teddy and Manu have got to be right up there in terms of the um, impressive players just because there were games where they well and truly carried this Roosters team. Jared Warrior Hargreaves had arguably his best season ever. And he's, For a couple of years at least. He's in yeah. his 30s. Uh, Satili, a relatively good season, dropped off. Tauke Aho, I thought, was decent when he played, but, man, they really needed him out there on the field more. Uh, the ba- Baker brothers were impressive. So was Collins until he got injured. Nat Butcherer as well, I thought. I, I, I reckon if Takiyaho, if, if they had all their cavalry, Takiyaho probably takes a month off halfway through the year and has an amazing final series. But he was he had the rib injury and then he only really got right in the last two weeks. Well, you one could argue that last season he was their best player. It, it, it's yeah. obviously very uh, top-heavy there at the Roosters, but he, he had an amazing year in 2020. But, yeah, we've all... All the players coming back. Um, this is where I talk them into the building now. This is where I give a little preview to our bold prediction show in a couple of weeks because I'm not actually going to explain my reasons as to why, but hopefully you blokes can chew my head off about this in person when we do it. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But at the moment... That's a crazy thought to think we're actually going to be able to yeah. do the bold prediction show in person. It's yeah. weird. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I might be mo- too scared. I'll just do it from home anyway. I'm... Um, I'm actually tipping the Roosters to win the comp next year. Fair enough. As a bold prediction. Um, they're certainly not going to be the favourites heading into the comp, but I've said too much already. Um, okay. Bold prediction okay. Show and I'll explain okay. my reasoning as to why. Anything else to add? Not, not really. Um, I'm, I'm surprised Robinson didn't win Coach of the Year, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, know, I know Bellamy had the 19 in a row and I did forecast that he would win uh, coach of the year in our show before the Daly M's, but realistically for mine, Robinson was the coach of the year to get them through what he had to get this team through and for him to finish where they did was um, an absolute superb effort. Just on Robinson, I guess, what more does he have to do? You know, we, I, I personally consider him up there, but at least what I've seen from many people, they sort of still consider him just under Bennett. And Bellamy, where I, I don't think he's I ever won coach of the year, has he? He won the comp two years in a row. And I think, I think still he still didn't win it. I think his debut year he did. Yeah, but, who won it that year? Because mm. I think Cleary got it one year. And when they went back dumb. to back, he didn't win it both of those wow. years. So. <laughs> he might have got it the year they lost the grand final. I'd have to look. You're right there. They haven't lost the grand final with him as coach. Didn't have the three, are they? He wasn't coaching in 2004. No, they had a three-peat. And they lost the third one. Yeah. He was coaching then. They won 2018, won 2019. Didn't they, they make it? 2013. No, yeah. Wasn't there three they didn't make it 2020. No. 14, 14, 15. Oh, no, no, no. They got, no. Sorry. Yeah, all right. Carry on. They won three minor premierships in a row. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, I just think he's, in a weird way, still a bit underrated as a coach, whereas it's fine, you know, whatever order you want those three in. But I believe Robinson deserves to be talked about in the same vein as Bennett and Bellamy. I sort of get the argument as to Yeah, what, but he's not oh, 60 and a cranky old man yet. So. Ten, ten, years and two, <laughs> ten years and two premierships he will be. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he coaches for another ten years and wins two, he's absolutely one of the best I've ever seen. Like, and and, and the thing is, when they look at history books in fifteen years, this re- the record this year won't necessarily reflect what they did. No, because no, nobody's going to know that they were missing ten players or yeah. whatever it is. They're just going to go through what the go, results oh, were yeah. week after yeah, week. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we will, and that's all that matters. Yeah. The last thing I'll say in Robinson though. Compared to a Bennett or a Bellamy or pretty much any other coach, he seems the most intelligent. Just when you hear him speak, well, he is intelligent. And I'd say probably the one who's probably spent the most time studying. Oh, absolutely. And he presents himself better than any of them by a fair way. Yeah. And even like when he had the blow up, he he knew exactly what he was doing that week. Uh, The weeks (laughs) he he didn't have the blow up, you know, he, he put it politely or he put it one way or another. Uh, but when he got to the point, where he goes, "I've just got." He would have said, "Look, I'm going in to blow up, get the get, go, get some cash Uncle out." Uncle Nick, get the checkbook yeah. out. Uh, yeah. He, he picked the right time. Blew up, he articulated himself so well, and the next he was time, right. He was a hundred. He wasn't right. ranting and raving and screaming. No, yeah. He just went out. And, but, went, and the next day, this, I think they came out and said, "You're right, but um, you owe twenty grand." Yeah, still got to find you. They um, they asked him later in the week if he regrets what he said, and he then once again said no. And yeah, articulated, reiterated, and explained exactly why. the same thing. And you're yeah. like, you know what? You're completely right. He, he could convince anyone of anything, and that's probably a really good trait to have as a coach, to be honest. Well, he's convinced you he can coach, so that's something. Or a salesman. Yeah, that's going to say salesman. Yeah, sales too. <laughs> Nick Politis might get him a job at Sinclair Ford. I'm sure Nick Politis will get him whatever he wants, to be honest with you. Um, all righty. I think that's about it. Yeah, it? let's go. <laughs> All right, up. so that's been our second uh, season review show. We've got one to go. I assume we'll do it next Wednesday. We've got nothing else to do. Absolutely. Yeah, knock that one on the head as well. And, uh, yeah, if you've just joined us and made it this far, three shows in, thanks for that. Jump on our socials, leave us some feedback, and we'll be back next week to look at teams four through to the premieres. Mm-hmm.